Hi, everyone. I'm Rebecca Minkoff, and you're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest is someone I've known since she was three, Alana Masterson. We grew up together, and sometimes I was her babysitter, but uh, I've really been so proud to see Alana grow into the woman, I'm dating myself, into the woman she is today, and so proud of her success. So we talk about everything from her child, how she's not scared of zombies, and though I am, and what it's like to work in the industry and the challenges she faces. Take a listen. So I'm with Alana Masterson. She is an incredible actor, writer, director, mom. You're my first actor. I am? Yeah. That's so exciting. Yeah. And probably your last. I hope not. Because you'd be like, these people are the worst. They don't know how to talk. (laughs) You're like, why do I have an actor in my studio? Inside the Argo studio. That could be my new series. I like that. Yeah. It's got a ring to it. So I'm not going to ask you how you got your start. Okay. What I'd love to talk to you about is... Last night in the taxi cab when we were together, we were talking about the overall shift in culture and change in your industry, and I'm curious about your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think what you and I were talking about in the cab last night is the industry has changed so much, um, especially with social media and all of the pressure and everything that everyone is looking for. It's not really just about your talent anymore. Um, and you know, you can, you can go into a room with someone, but if they have, you know, some crazy social media following or some, you know, built in YouTube situation, you can kind of get sidelined a little bit because, you know, you feel like, oh, well, should I be putting myself out there more? Should I be compromising who I am to try and gain followers or try and gain recognition? And that doesn't mean that people that work super hard shouldn't have those things. Like I know I have a few friends that came from Vine and they have, you know, YouTube channels and they make really cool content and they have a following. It's just a little bit different compared to how it used to be where everybody was seen for the job. Everybody was brought into the room and now it's, you know, oh, just a select few people. And do they have a built-in press and built-in following from social media that we can easily just, you know, hire them from. So sometimes it can feel, you know, a little discouraging in that regard, and the pressure to kind of stay relevant. So what did you do to break through that cycle? Because when you started out, you didn't necessarily have a huge social media following. So how did you get yourself into that room and then get hired? Um, I slept with a lot of people. Cool. Me too. Uh, Sleeping right at the top gets you (laughs) everywhere. (laughs) Um, You know, I went in for that audition. This is for The Walking Dead. Yeah. For those of you who don't know. For those of you who don't, don't know, watch it. <laughs> the one percent. Uh, I got an audition for The Walking Dead, and I had read for these casting directors so many times. That's what's kind of great about acting is that you go in for something, and you and you may or may not be right for it. But if you do a good job and you make an impression, then they'll bring you back in, even if you they knew that you weren't right for that thing. So you know, this one I definitely wasn't right for is for a character that was much older than me. Um, but they brought me in, and I just you know did my thing and and got the job. And and from getting that job, you get all of a sudden this push and this giant social media following. And I dealt with it kind of up and kind of down. Um, I remember having a discussion with some of the actors my first season about how I think it's ridiculous that somebody would cast something based off of social media. And I was like, I don't want to be a part of any projects that, you know, are 
our casting and go, well, how many followers does she have? And I was actually wrong. You know, years later, I look at it and I go, wow, that's actually what people look at. And, you know, I think there's a way to do it where it's responsible. And I think if you, you know, keep your integrity in and you're yourself and you post things that are about you and things that you like to do and the people that you hang out with or movies you see or books you read or whatever it is, you can actually help people through. And that's where I find the good out of social media is that, you know, girls come up to me at these, you know, I do these conventions and someone will come up to me and say, hey, I I was having such a hard time nursing and, you know, I just felt like giving up. But then you posted that thing about working, you know, 16 hour days plus pumping in in between takes every two hours and in hot tents, in hot tents, yeah, in the swamp, you know, and it made me like, go, okay, well, if she can do it, I can do it. So thank you. And things like that make me go, oh, okay. There is something behind social media that's actually really awesome. And you can you can have a voice now, whereas 10 years ago uh, when I was acting, I couldn't have a voice. I couldn't be me because, you know, nobody, you know, they knew me from a room or they knew me in an audition. But now I can be able to say what I want to say when I want to say it. And on top of that, you get sort of a built-in fan base, which is really cool. So there's, you know, the upside and the downside to it. And I think if you just play the game correctly and you don't go too far out of your, you know, what you know is true to yourself, then I think it can be really positive. Have you felt the shift uh, within Hollywood of more inclusivity when I say that, you know, standards of beauty within fashion are changing very rapidly and it's about time we, you know, talk to not just white women who are size zero? Yeah. Do you feel like that shift has happened yet in Hollywood or is it still try like you feel the need not that you feel the need but like there's the need to conform yeah i will say that i feel like there will be a shift i don't think it's happened quite yet um especially for someone like me who isn't a sample size i find it really stressful and difficult going to events i get really overwhelmed and you know i'm a very you've known me my whole life i'm very social i love to talk to people and get to know them and Getting ready to go to an event is, it's depressing because designers go, oh, well, she's not a sample size, so we're not going to lend to her. Or, oh, we sh- she's not quite what our brand wants. And you go, well, what is it that your brand wants? Is it because I'm not a size zero? Is it because I don't, I'm not pretty enough for you? Or what, what is the, what are you saying with saying those, those things to me? Like, oh, well, it's not what our brand wants. Um, So I just decided with red carpet stuff, you know, a lot of the stuff I stopped going to just because I just felt bad when I would go. And then when I do go, I just go and find some rad vintage outfit or, you know, I call you and you lend me something to wear or there there are more brands that are starting to to do that. But I think within the last year only, you know, I look on the red carpet and I find immense pressure to be stick thin and right. it sucks because i don't want to i i and not nothing wrong with people that are stick thin it's just that i'm not right i'm very curvy i gave birth to a baby i nursed a baby like i am by no means a sample size and i just won't be in you know bryce dallas howard at the i think it was at the oscars or the golden globes she got on the red carpet and they asked her what are you wearing and she said oh i'm wearing this brand i went and bought it at, at uh, nordstrom's and the interviewer news or whatever it was was like what she's like yeah i'm a size eight i think six or an eight um and i'm sick of going into a fitting and feeling really uncomfortable in my own skin wow 
And that actually gave me the courage to be like, whoa, that's amazing. And I started working with this new stylist and her name is Erica Cloud. And I told her this and I went to a fitting for the premiere of season nine. And I was like, just so you know, like I have really big boobs and nothing fits me properly. And, uh, and she made it not a problem, but actually made me feel so good about trying clothes on. She got, brought, got sizes from all different sizes, from a four to an eight to a 10 to a 12. Like she was like, don't look at the tag. It doesn't matter. Right. And she made me feel hot and I felt super sexy. And I have an amazing makeup artist, Gina Rabisi, who just makes me feel so pretty when she puts makeup on me. And I was like, oh, okay, good. This is going to change. It has to change because not everybody is a sample size. But not just in red carpet. What about in movies or like filming or when you're up for roles? Yeah, all of that stuff. I right. mean, it, that it, that goes hand in hand because you're getting the job and then they're dressing you on the carpet. It's like I walk into a room and I'm huge compared to <laughs> some of the girls <laughs> in there, which is crazy. I mean, you're sitting across from me. It's not, not but huge. It, yeah, not huge, but it's just... They want girls to be so thin. And I know, you know, obviously I'm not a model, but I see that on the red carpet. Uh, I mean, I see that in runway where the girls are just so thin because the clothes, you know, fit them that way. And I think there's some really, really great role models out there. I'm like a huge fan of Ashley, Ashley Graham's and she's so hot and she's so confident and she's so great. And I also respect those models that are really fit and thin as well because they work out like crazy and I know what it takes to do those workouts. So it is a, it is a balance. It's um it's an issue I think women are born with, just a body complex that happens and it sucks. And my mom never was like, get on the scale, watch what you're eating. It was never, she never instilled it in me. It was just, I was a ballerina. So, you know, all the older girls were like, I'm fat. And I was like, yeah. I'm fat. I was like 10. Definitely not fat. And it's being proactive and basically being healthy. If you're healthy and you're working out and you're doing what makes you mentally better and physically better, then that's what should be rewarded at the end of the day. And I'm not a sample size, but, you know, boys never seem to care. There you go. <laughs> so if you're not a mom and prior to you being a mom, what were things that you found helpful as far as, you know, being comfortable in your own skin? And I'm speaking as someone who's, I'm the same as you. My boobs are too big. My stomach's too fat. Blah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Like we all have our shit, right? Sure. Someone's like, you have such nice legs. And I'm like, well, I'm fat yeah. in the stomach area. <laughs> so funny. It's exactly what it's I... It's hanging over my jeans right now. Me too. Muffin top. <laughs> <laughs> I would say to the best thing that I have found for feeling comfortable in your own skin. I have dealt with waking up in the morning and feeling really depressed and feeling like oh, I couldn't, I can't do anything and I'm not capable of doing anything and poor me. And I'm not, you know, I look terrible. Nothing fits all of these things. And my mom would be like, get up, go outside, go work out and eat well. And when I'm eating well and I'm working out, whether I have time for it, if someone's super busy, take a walk. Like, you'd be surprised how your mental health is so tied in with working out and eating well. Like, what you put in your body is eventually what I found for myself personally when I'm eating better and eating healthy and not staying up and not drinking all the time and not eating, you know, fucking pizza at night and bagels for breakfast. Hamburgers for lunch. Hamburgers for lunch. Today. Delicious. I had a bagel and lox, Russ and daughters. <laughs> um, you know, but I just noticed that the more I paid attention and took care of my body, the easier it was to just get motivated to do other things. And, you know, 
it started out by like, I was like, okay, good. It's January. You know what? I'm not going to drink for 30 days. And I'm not, I don't drink a lot, but I was like, oh, I noticed that if I don't drink a glass of wine at dinner and, you know, a cocktail on the weekend or two cocktails on the weekend or three, that on Monday, I didn't feel as depressed and as foggy. And so I started to notice these shifts in myself when I was like, I don't want to get up and go to yoga. I hate working out. And then the second I'm done working out, I'm like, God, I feel so much better. And I had a conversation with a friend of mine who's in great shape, really good shape. And I said, yeah, but you're just genetically one of those people that like loves to work out because you have great abs. And he was like, that's actually not true at all. I hate working out, but I just make myself go six days a week. And I was like, really? You hate it? And my brother Jordan, who also works out a lot, who's you know, in great shape. He was like, oh, I hate it too, dude. I just make myself go. And that kind of shifted for me where I was like, oh, even the people that are in really good shape also don't like doing it and they just feel better afterwards. So that was something that I just started training myself into to feeling more confident and the ability of waking up and going, okay, man, I'm going to eat better today and I'm going to go work out and taking those things day by day. And all of a sudden 30 days go by and you're like, oh shit, I made it through that 30 days and I feel better. My pants fit a little bit better and my stomach's not as puffy and all of these things. And I didn't do some crash diet. I didn't do some crazy thing. I just made better conscious decisions into like, all right, I'm not gonna eat that pizza. I'm gonna have like a steak and a salad instead or whatever. And then also rewarding yourself and, you know, having a beer. Like last night when we went out and we had Thai food and a beer, it was amazing. It was so fun, but you know, in moderation, anything in moderation is fine. And I noticed that my confidence grew and I just decided to make a conscious effort to work out and be healthier. And I felt like my depression and the things that I was always stressed about or having bad anxiety about would go away. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'd love to talk a little bit about hard work and how you've seen it pay off. I know being an actor, you get a lot of rejection. And I think for our listeners, whether they want to be an actor or anything else, we all have had so many no's and then that one door opens and sometimes it's a big door, sometimes it's a closet. So what have you seen with the hard work you invested into, into your career? Um, I think this is a super important topic <laughs> that I am really passionate about is hard work. 
and it's a long road. Life is long. Life is hard. Work is hard. Um, and if you just persevere and keep going and keep fighting, then eventually something's going to happen for you. And that's what it was for me. I was told time and time again, you know, I've been acting since I was seven years old. So when you're really young, it's not that hard. But when you hit it, hit being a teenager, it's like, oh, you're not white enough. That's what I got a lot. Oh, you're not white enough to be the lead. Oh, you're not like blonde hair, blue eyed enough. You know, it's always me and Hayden Panettiere, which is just funny now because we'll see each other and I'll be like, <laughs> it's shifted, you know, but I wasn't white enough. And then I wasn't sexy enough for CW. I wasn't uh, poppy enough for ABC. There's... Can I interrupt you? Yeah, CW wanted you to be sexy? Yes. Yeah, CW, you know, for Gossip Girl and all of those oh, shows, okay. it was, you know, those girls look like models. Right. And I just knew that I was never going to fit into that mold. And then when I got the audition for The Walking Dead, I was like, oh, perfect. This is so going to be my job because, you know, Scott Kimple, our showrunner, just casts who's the best. He doesn't give a fuck about what you look like or he just is like the best actor for the job. And there's an amazing uh, speech that Mark Duplass gave at South by Southwest. For those who haven't listened to it, you should go and listen to it. And he talks about the cavalry isn't coming. And it's so true. Like, you're going to get where you're going to get by working hard by yourself with friends or a team of people. You're never going to make it if you're sitting there expecting a handout. It's just not going to come. And sometimes you'll get discouraged because you will see someone, you know, I've seen actresses, you know, reach out for a hand and they have gotten pulled up. And I would, I just, was like, I'm never going to do that. I want to just make sure I get where I'm going because of the hard work that I put into it. And, you know, the great thing circling back to social media is that anybody can make a movie now. It's so easy. The iPhones are so amazing. You can get these little digital cameras. You can edit them yourselves. You can put them up on Vimeo, on YouTube, on Instagram, on Vine. Like you can, the only thing in your way is you. And you can make movies, you can write scripts, you can shoot short films, you could be a photographer, you could be a clothing designer. People all the time are making clothes and selling them off their Instagram. I mean, that was not 10 years ago. It was about getting into a, a store. If I get into the store, I'm going to make it. Now it's like, there's so many outlets, Etsy, there's, you know, tons of outlets for you to be creative. And I have made it a point in my life to not only work hard, but to help those around me. And, you know, uh, a co-star of mine, his daughter was making a short film and she didn't have any money. And I was like, hey, let's raise the money on Kickstarter. I'll come do it. She's like, but I don't have money to pay you. I was like, I, I don't care. Let's go make a film. And we shot a film in New York for four days. And it's great, you know. And another friend of mine is like, hey, I want to do this play. Will you do it with me? Sure. No problem. Because... All you're going to do is if you find your your group of people and you all help each other out, eventually it's going to pay off. You know, I had a I had a conversation with Paul Fee, who's a, an amazing director. He does, you know, Bridesmaids and he just did a simple favor. And uh, he basically said, I found my people and I stick with them and that's it. And we don't have time for bullshit and we don't have room for drama. It's the people that want to show up and work really hard and have each other's backs. And, you know, that's something that I'm really, really proud of is that I have always been really hardworking and helped those around me just like they've helped me. And it all comes back around. Being a good person is all you have at the end of the day. It's true. And you've never not been relatable. What made you stay? So when your fans meet you, they obviously love you, but they also identify so much with who your character is. How do you stay relatable and or 
not be so like, yes, we're going to be best friends and I'm actually Alana. I'm not Tara. Yeah. How do I stay relatable to fans? Just in general, I guess it's a two-part question. How do you stay relatable? Okay. Because a lot of people who reach a certain status no longer are relatable. Question number one. How do I stay relatable? You know, I... uh, Or normal. Normal. Uh, I think being a parent really, really does it for you. Having a good family, you know, I have four incredible brothers and an amazing mom and you know, they, they're all actors and they're all very successful. So growing up seeing them, my mom never was like, okay, now that you're famous, you can do whatever you want. She's like, oh, cool. You're, you're going to work while your curfew is still midnight, you know? And you're like, wait, but I'm on a job. I'm making money. She's like, yeah, you're 14. You live in my house. Your curfew is still midnight. Like she never let us believe, you know, that we were better than anybody because we weren't, we were just talented and good at our jobs. And so I think that is a very humbling factor, having brothers and a mother that showed me that just because you're famous or on a show doesn't mean that you're better than anybody else. And I think the second part of staying relatable and humble is having a kid because I can I can go to a convention and have people in tears meeting me like, oh, wow, you changed my life, all of these things. And I get home and my daughter's like, can you make me a grilled cheese? Can you wipe my butt? Yeah. Can you wipe my, like, can you, mom, mom, mom. And she's just screaming at me. <laughs> make me a grilled cheese. I don't want a grilled cheese. Make me a sandwich. I make her a sandwich. I don't want it. You know, it's, it's humbling. My daughter doesn't give a fuck that I'm some famous actor. She literally doesn't care. She's my daughter. She goes to school and I go to work and I, and I, and I pick her up and she goes like, how was work, mom? Were the zombies taking a nap today? But she's not. I don't have time to be too good for her or too popular for her. Like her dad and I have always made it a point to just raise her as as normal as possible. And I don't want her to think that I'm special or something because I have fans, you know, and that's how I think I stay relatable is just reminding myself on a daily basis. Like when I don't want to get out of bed because I'm tired, I don't have the the luxury or the option. Right. And it also makes you a far better person and a far better actor. You know, me five years ago before I had Marlo would do pretty well in an audition time and time again. Now I could outact my old self in a heartbeat. I just could. You have so much more depth to you and so much more compassion. And it's just easier to to do it now. And it's easier to stay uh, humbled when you have a kid screaming at you all the time. Yeah. You have three. I have three. So I get home <laughs> from my award last night and I um, just... Hung out with a sick baby all night. That, made, that makes it real. It makes it so real. Before I got on the plane to come here, my kid was puking on me all night. And you're just like, all right, well, this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> so how has being a mom changed you? I know you touched on it a little bit, but I'd love for you to, and your 46-hour labor, how did that change you? Um, well, it's interesting. When you go into labor, no matter no matter what the outcome is, if you deliver naturally, you have a C-section, you have an epidural, you don't, whatever it is that happens, any woman who has a baby, who grows a baby and has a baby, there's a certain camaraderie that happens between you and other moms where you go, oh, you did that. Oh, okay. You know exactly what pain I have because your husband, your boyfriend, your partner, your wife, whomever it is, you know, they're not going to know what it feels like unless they've gone through it themselves. And uh, I had a really long, arduous labor uh, that lasted two days. And, um, you know, but at the end of it, I made it out. And 
when I when I pushed her out and held her, I was like, oh, I could do that again. It's like such a weird so thing weird. that happens. And, you know, so so that also helped me kind of not care so much about what I looked like or how I was perceived by other people. It made me go, oh, I don't give a fuck if my pants don't fit right now. Like, I grew a baby. You know, it's, oh, I have stretch marks on my belly. I'm really self-conscious about it. Who cares? You know, there's these things that happen. There's a shift where you go, oh, I'm a woman and I'm like a superhero because I delivered a child into this world. I grew a baby and then I kept the baby alive for a year (laughs) by nursing my daughter. And, you know, that takes a lot of timing and planning and hard work and not wearing a sports bra and wearing like there's so many so many things that go into to nursing that people just don't know about you know i uh had a bunch of people making fun of me when i went back to work on social media cuz i was running and you know my boobs are really big so obviously they weren't just standing in place and people like couldn't you put a bra on you're so gross and i was like oh really could i put a a sports bra on no i couldn't because i was pumping and could i put an underwire bra on no but you wouldn't know that because i you have no idea what it takes to produce milk and all of those things and so that really changed me and then just you know being a parent makes you selfless and that's just the true word it's just you're selfless you don't have time to feel sorry for yourself ever true that and if you do feel sorry for yourself, it's taken away really quickly when that door is busted <laughs> open. Marlo came in one day and she goes, are you sad, mommy? I was, I was crying. Something had happened in my life. And she goes, are you are you sad? And I went, yeah, I am. Something something bad had happened. But you know what? I'm going to be okay. I'm going to I'm going to make myself happy right now. And I wasn't afraid to show her that I was sad. And um, and then I and then I just dropped it. I didn't wallow it in. I wasn't like, oh, my God, poor me, or tell her what was wrong or put it on her. I just was like, yeah, I was a little sad, but I'm actually okay now. Thank you. Yeah, and she was like, okay, let's go do Play-Doh. <laughs> <laughs> what is one thing that people would be surprised to know about you? I'll share first. Okay, go oh, good. This will be great. I was like to loosen it up. <laughs> um, I was trying to think of one, and then I was like, let me align it with, you know, your show because I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. Gavin has footage of me like during one of the scenes where I think someone's going to get killed uh-huh. and I'm so stressed out. I'm standing up and I'm pulling my pants on and off because it's like the only thing I can do to like. Isn't this was the, when Stephen and Cudlets were going to hit hit with the baseball bat? <laughs> yeah. I think it was that. I think he texted it to me or you texted it to me. I did. I was like pulling my pants on and off furiously. And he's like, what is wrong with you? What are you doing? And I was like, it was the only way I could control my anxiety about what was going to happen. <laughs> I think everybody had so much anxiety. It was so sad that I wasn't a part of that scene because I was obviously having Marlo and I really wanted to be there. I mean, I was there physically when they were filming it that next year, but everybody, everybody I know was like, they killed Glenn. He's the greatest character on the show. Greatest character. Love Glenn. Love Glenn. But he's like, you know, lives a block from me and we're best friends and he has kids now and I have a kid and we're always just like laughing. We're like, Hey, we're like at the park and our kids are screaming at us. We're like, remember when we were famous <laughs> <laughs> and people did shit for us? And he was like, yeah, those are the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would somebody be surprised to learn about me? Um, I'm really good at sports. Which one? Any. You just, just generally, In you're general, good at all I'm good sports. At, I'm good at all sports. And I just took up golfing because okay. apparently I'm good at that too. I went... Um, and swung a golf club and like cracked it 
you know, 150 yards and was like, is that what's supposed to happen? So now I think I want to start taking, now I feel like I want to get into sports that I can do as an old person so that I can grow old, like playing tennis or golf, you know, because I can't like launch a football around forever. True. But like when I'm 60, I can drink pina coladas and like just go to golf courses. Love it. That might shock people. What advice would you, one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast is because I love leaving people with a dose of good advice that they can listen or not listen to if yeah. it's not for them. But what You can is turn it off now if you don't like advice. Yeah. The end. Click. <laughs> Anything advice that you've learned that's been like, yes, this, is, this has been good. This is a good one. I feel like the best piece of advice that I've ever viewed maybe not given, maybe not particularly been given to me, but what I have seen, you know, Andy Lincoln is um, the number one on our show. He plays Rick Grimes, for those who don't know. And the way he treats people and the way he works, you know, I, I work hard and I'm really a nice person, but seeing how this man does it, where he has the most lines, the most scenes, he's in the most, works the longest hours, first one in, last one out, and he's picking you up hour 15 when you're like I can't run up that hill anymore for the scene I he's like we can do it you can do it come on come on everybody and everybody just like gets geared up and like the camera dude is like I can't carry this camera anymore and we're all like yes you can and we pick up everything like I think the best piece of advice no matter what your profession is if you work at Starbucks if you work as a photographer if you're an aspiring actress or model or fashion designer is Look at the people around you and help each other and see what you can do to to better a situation or help someone else. Because the more you give back, you just it just enhances you as a person. I Riley Keough and I, who's another actress friend, her and I raised money to build a school in Nepal. And that was one of the coolest things I had ever done because I went and lived in a village in Nepal and I saw these people who had basically nothing next to nothing. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have TV. They didn't have social media. They barely had houses. I slept on a dirt floor in a hut with all of these families. And they were happy because they all just did stuff for each other. And they all did stuff to make their community a better place. And I think that's the best piece of advice is find your tribe, find your people, stick together and help others. And it'll just come back around. Love it. Love it. Thanks, dude. You're welcome, bud. That was Alana Masterson. You can see more of her at Alana Masterson on Instagram. Uh, I also thought I'd read a review today. This is from Lexi B. Newly a superwoman. Yes, you are, Lexi. I love your podcast and guests. I've gotten in the habit of listening every morning before work, and some days I really don't want to go, but after listening, I feel like I'm going to slay for the day. So thank you, thank you. You are so welcome, and I'm so glad this podcast makes you want to get up and go out of bed and slay it. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thank you.